I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Pero cómo la engancha Les García, cómo empalma, cómo le pega el centrocampista del Girona para hacer el cuarto en el Sadar. Girona are La Liga leaders outright. Yep, that's that's true. Girona are leaders. Welcome to La Liga Lowdown, our match day 12 recap, almost a third of the season in, and Girona are league leaders. I'm going to keep saying that a few times this podcast. Rory, <laughs> welcome along. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, terrific, Matt. Uh, it's been a really fun, fascinating, interesting, entertaining, intriguing, uh, amusing weekend in La Liga. There's been lots going on, lots of really, really good games. And perhaps, yeah, there was a couple of good games that stood out. I mean, we, we mentioned in the kind of the bonus pod, the subscriber pod, that um, there were some sneaky good ones. But perhaps some of the ones that didn't really stand out really delivered in terms of entertainment and in terms of kind of tension so so yeah looking forward to chopping it up with you Matt. well let's start with the leaders because that is girona um <laughs> they normally guarantee goals and yet again they delivered at el sadar on saturday lunchtime this was such an enthralling game osasuna played really well but they just couldn't stop the juggernaut that is girona uh girona were ahead but were pegged back by the swan ante budemir but his brace was in vain because Girona's powers of recovery was in evidence yet again. Four goals with just four shots on target, three of them in the last 20 minutes of the game. They've won 10 out of 12 games this season, Rory. How are they so good? Yeah, I think um, the impressive thing about Girona is just how little they kind of seem to blink under pressure or in the face of kind of challenges. I mean, at, at times almost it seems like they're playing their, their football in their game and they're obviously responding, I think I said this perhaps previously as well, but they're responding to what's in front of them, to the stimuli in front of them, but essentially it's almost as if the opposition aren't there and they're not kind of engaged with kind of the opposition in a battle to win the game, but in a, in a battle to kind of work out how to win the game as opposed to necessarily um, losing it or even considering that. And and yeah, the likes of Alex Garcia is just on absolute fire I mean he scored again but just in terms of the way that he directs and organises this side Artem Dovbeck I mean we said that he was good signing at the start of the season and Michel Dostomen to the start of the 
start of the season, but now, yeah, goal, two assists, and they've, they've been kind of overperforming their kind of XG all season. But if you look at kind of the goals they scored, they tend to be pretty obvious chances. They tend to be good chances. And, and that's what Girona do, is that they attack you in so many different ways. With Dovbik, they have a big physical striker. Um, with Sigankov, they have somebody that can cross, that can shoot, that can cut in. Savio, they have someone that can go past you. Aleix Garcia can slide the ball through you. They've just got lots of different weapons. And even the likes of Ivan Martino, I think, is one of the unsung heroes in inverted commas. But he's very neat and tidy, really good in tight spaces. He appreciates where the space is. And uh, and yeah, Girona, they're just flying. And, and even Osasuna, who didn't do massive amounts wrong, despite the fact that they conceded four goals as well. And and Girona just, yeah, it didn't even register with them the, the pressure of being league leaders in, in essence. Not many uh, score four goals at El Sadar. Uh, I guess the question everyone is asking is, how long can this last? And and is, is it sustainable? You mentioned the overperformance of XG. Are they going to regress to a mean at some point or can they just keep punching? They're going to have to regress to a mean at some point, I think. I mean, it just depends what that mean is. Because, I mean, this is a site that we spoke about last season. They were not too far off getting a kind of conference league place. They probably were a few results off getting a Europa League place. And, and this season, they look a little bit more defensive, so, uh, solid defensively, but they have much more weapons in attack, as I was saying. It feels like, I know Tati Castellano scored 13, 14 goals last season, but that felt large, a, a larger number than the kind of it, it looked to me. And four of those goals were obviously in the one game against Real Madrid. But, but yeah, it feels like now they're a more reliable scorer. It feels like even if they get involved in these battles, and I'm speaking after they had a game with six goals in them, it feels like they are much more closer to a team that scores goals but doesn't necessarily get involved in ding-dong battles, even if at times, yeah, you see those Almeria games, you see the Osasuna games. So I, I think they'll come back to it, but for them right now, the question has to be, while they're riding this crest of the wave, while they're confident, while everything is kind of going right for them, how much of a gap can they put between them and Real Sociedad or Real Betis, uh, the, the teams below them challenging for that European place? Because ultimately, I don't think they're going to be in the title race, but they're firmly in the European race. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. I mean, the stats say that if you win 10 out of 12 games uh, in La Liga, no team that's done that has ever finished outside the top three. So we are talking about previously Champions League guaranteed. So let's see if they can can maintain this next week. Their next fixture is a special one for Michel because they head back to Vallecas. I don't know if you've got tickets for that one, but what a game that's going to be. And, uh, well, it was the uh, the festival this weekend uh, culminating the fires of San Narcisse. And I'm sure there were plenty of fireworks around Montalivian in, in Girona this evening. They are league leaders. And, yep, uh, that is that is not a drill. That is true. It's, it's still <laughs> crazy to say, but they absolutely deserve it. And... Part of the reason why they are league leaders is because the others have been stumbling. We'll get onto the Madrid pair in a moment, but one team who probably should have dropped points at the weekend but actually didn't was Barca because they went to Anoeta. Uh, Lareal played played them off the park, to be honest, didn't they? And come of the hour, come of the man, Ronald Araujo uh, smashed and grabbed the win for them, didn't he? Yeah, of the big three, they no doubt played the worst and deserved the least out of the three teams, I think, but came away with the win. And yeah, I, I mean, Xavi said it, and I think it's very hard to disagree with him. They deserved 
uh, to win more than they deserve to lose last week and this week they deserve to lose more than they deserve to win but you take the three points and you, you get home and you, you work out exactly how things went so wrong. Real Sociedad were incredible. I mean, Subi Bendy was all over the place. The the kind of constant kind of motion from Take, Mikel Oriazabal, Bananachea, Mikel Marino. They, they, to a man, Real Sociedad were really, really, really good. And and yeah, sometimes it's just a misfortune. The one thing I will note is that I went back and kind of watched the highlights of this game again, and I was looking at it. And so there's that one Mikel Oyarzabal chance where Kunde kind of puts him in in the first half, and he kind of toes it past Ter Stegen, but it goes wide. Apart from that, I will admit they didn't have many clear, clear chances. Chances that you think you should score that. So. There is that kind of aspect of it, and I think Inigo Martinez had a mammoth game. Ronald Araujo was obviously very good. I think Bernanache has been on great form lately, but he never really got past Araujo either. Um, and and so Barcelona, yeah, they don't deserve too much credit for this game, but in terms of character, and Ronald Araujo, watch that goal again. I mean, it's a brilliant goal from Gundogan, but. Araujo slows his run ever so slightly just before he kind of goes beyond the last man and it's incredible strikers play from him to then head it between the keeper's legs as well. It's a really brilliant finish from him and and yeah, players like that come up with these moments for you and it just so happens that he's the centre half but he, he's gold for this team. Those Uruguayans know how to finish, don't they? Just ask Luis Suarez. Uh, you're right though Real Sociedad still lamenting the fact they just can't prolifically put the ball in the back of the net they are so almost perfect from from back to front it's just that final thing and we say this about their rivals Athletic many times but at the moment it's Real Sociedad you haven't got their shooting boots on Imanol and the players looked absolutely crestfallen at the end Um, there's, there's not much else he can do really beyond just trying to hone that finishing in training but when they're out on the pitch it's it's down to them isn't it Ultimately, yeah, and I think it's it's going to be a kind of a battle because in Take Kubo, in Mikel Oyarzabal and Bernanachea, he's got a front three that's working reasonably well, a front three that's going to be good enough to beat 90% of the teams in La Liga. But when you, perhaps you mean need something a little bit different, maybe you do want Umar Sadiq in there. And Umar Sadiq didn't come on. He came, it was Carlos Fernandez who Imanol sent on to kind of try and win the game. But... I think it's going to be, have to be a test of him and all. Either to put faith in Sadiq and say, look, here's five games. I don't care what happens. I'm going to start you. I'm going to give you at least 60, 70 minutes each game. And you try and get fit, try and get sharp. And then maybe we have a goal scorer at the end of it. Otherwise, you you do leave yourself open to this where you don't have a natural nine in the side, even if Oyathabo has been doing a very good job in that sense. And and yeah, credit to, to Alex Remiro, who I thought was made a brilliant save as well. He was really good with his feet. Um, and like you say, Imanol, he can't do any more than, than he's done there. And ultimately, the players have to have to sort of put it in the back of that, as you're saying. Um, I will mention just quickly, Pedri, things changed when he came on. I mean, listen, it's always a big if if he can stay fit now, but... If, again, if you look at the kind of highlights of it, those last 20 minutes, Ferran Torres has one that's not like a clear opportunity, but he skies it over the bar. Gavi has that huge opportunity. Chances started coming for Barcelona when he was on the pitch, and he just gives them that extra bit of fleet-footedness in the field. He finds the space, and, and yeah, even that Gavi chance, he kind of shapes to go the other way, reverses it into Gavi, and, and he is a difference maker for this side. I'd say he lifts their ceiling more than anyone else, with perhaps the exception of Araujo. Mm. 
Interesting. Yeah, I can't really disagree with that. Um, so a win for Barca, probably probably undeserved, but a win nonetheless. Definitely. That keeps, them, <laughs> keeps them well in the mix, despite losing the Clasico last week. They are only four points off the top uh, and only two points behind Real Madrid, which could end up being the more important of those two statistics. Over to the other half uh, of, of the top four, and of course to Madrid, Atleti, uh, Diego Simeone has, has reportedly agreed a contract extension this weekend, but they, they had the Friday night game in Gran Canaria against Las Palmas. They had the chance to go top, uh, playing first of the course of the weekend, but they couldn't take it because they lost 2-1 to Las Palmas. Their winning run comes to an end. How much of a surprise was this, Rory? Yeah, huge, huge shock. I mean, I think we've all been pretty impressed with Las Palmas in general, even if, again, we think they lack a bit of a goal scorer, but... To, to beat Atleti at home and, and really, for me, to kind of outplay them for large chunks of it. I mean, Roro Raquelme had a couple of good chances. He was probably had, had the kind of moments where you look at it from an Atleti point of view and say, if he puts those chances away, maybe it's a different game. But for, yeah, it was, it stood out to me that All Black came off the pitch and they were asking him, big chance to go top the table. You could have done this, you could have done that. And he said, like, look, yeah, well, Las Palmas played really well, and, and that mm. was kind of the takeaway for me. They, they were pretty loyal to their idea. The second goal, which is ultimately the winning goal, comes from Javi Munoz uh, pressing high up the pitch. The first goal comes from them winning, winning the ball back kind of on the touchline, Cardona into Moleiro, Munoz with a dummy as well, and then Kirian Rodriguez, who, who he's been absolutely excellent as well. What a, a story. star for them. Yes, I'll, I'll let you kind of talk about the story, Matt. Tell us a little bit about, about how he's kind of made his comeback. Well, of course, uh, last season when they were in Segunda trying to get promoted, he, he was diagnosed with, uh, with cancer, I believe, and, and of course out for, for a long period of time as, as he recovered from that. And um, yeah, to, to make his comeback and not, I mean, for a start, just to be playing professional football again is, is remarkable, but to be playing such a key role, a level above in the top flight, in match-winning games against top three clubs in in the country, it's it's a remarkable feel-good story for him and for the club. And yeah, it's just a real feel-good factor around Las Palmas at the moment. They've won what five of the last seven games in the league now, and and they're ten points clear of the drop zone. And I don't think anyone would have imagined they'd be that comfortable at this stage of the season, uh, especially having having beaten Atleti. So yeah, hats off to Las Palmas. On Atleti though, Griezmann was taken off with thirty minutes to go in the game. They were two 0 down at that point. Alvaro Morata continued his scoring streak to pull one back, but ultimately it wasn't enough. Is that a signal that Diego Simeone thinks the Champions League game this week against Celtic is more important and therefore he was resting Griezmann for that? Is that how you saw that or was there another reason? Maybe, perhaps. Perhaps Simeone just thought this was a kick up the arse, but the fact that it was both Goke and Griezmann is confusing to me. Look... I understand that the Champions League is important, but you're playing on a Friday to begin with, so you've got an extra day compared to what you're used to. Um, I know it's a trip to, La- to the Canaries, but you're then at home in Madrid. The mental blow, the kind of momentum blow from this is larger to me than the, perhaps the fatigue that you would have kind of picked up from having Griezmann and Koke on the pitch. Now the legs are a little bit heavier after a loss. The pressure's kind of back on them when they were kind of for, for myself and for many, the form team in La Liga. And, and the comparison I made was, yeah, Jude Bellingham didn't come off in the Classico when he was kind of being pretty nullified in a similar sense to how Griezmann was in this game. But he mm-hmm. comes up with two goals from absolutely nowhere. And 
okay, there are different types of players. Griezmann is, yeah, not kind of scoring the same amount of goals as Bellingham, but you just don't take those players off. You don't take the Messi's of the world off. You don't take the Ronaldo's off. You don't take your, your best goal scorer off it. I, yeah, I was absolutely flummoxed by it. And Simeone said that the changes allowed us to get the 2-1 back, but I'm not really sure that was the case for me. I mean, the, the goal that they scored is just kind of a... It's Rodo Rakami on the other side. I, I don't think Korea had a massive impact. Yeah, Simeone, brilliant manager. We all respect him, but... That that was the wrong decision for me. I, I couldn't understand that. Mm, it was baffling. A couple more questions around Jan or Black as well, but maybe we'll leave that for the midweek pod uh, to go a little bit deeper on that. Uh, Real Madrid, though, you mentioned Jude Bellingham there. He he couldn't make the difference in this game. Uh, probably the first time all season he hasn't. But um, yeah, Real Madrid slipped up after their win in the Clasico, ceding the leadership to Girona by being held 0-0 at home to Raya Vallecano. It's the first clean sheet Raya have obtained at the Bernabeu since 2000, when Julian Lopetegui was in goal for them. So a really impressive defensive display from Rayo. Uh, it's also the first time that Real Madrid have failed to score in a game this season in any competition. So, yeah, hats off to Rayo. How did they achieve it? And, and why couldn't Madrid find a way through? Absolutely. The mighty Rayo, it should be said. I mean, they were just really, really good. They carried out their game plan. I think Real Madrid were a little bit lacklustre, but... Certainly in the first half, the first 60 minutes, Real Madrid were trying to lift the tempo constantly. Camavinga was everywhere. He was snapping into challenges. They were pretty relentless. And Dmitrievsky, to be fair to him, makes two really big saves. The first one from Valverde, one-on-one. Second, I think it's from Hosselu, kind of, yeah, on the cup back. But they pretty much neutralised Real Madrid again. You look at the clear chances they created. There weren't too many. There was a lot of kind of stretches. There was a lot of kind of close balls in. But... Nothing really to trouble Dmitrievsky beyond that. And and Rao, they, they backed each other up really well. They kind of, EC worked really hard. Alvaro Garcia worked really hard. Unai Lopez, Oscar Trejo, they were all running a lot. And this is credit to them as well because they pushed up. They didn't kind of drop to the edge of the box at any real point until maybe the last five, ten minutes. And, and the likes of Moomin was really big. Oscar Valentin was absolutely outstanding. And he gave an interview on the Friday night and they were asking him, look, I mean, how are you going to stop Jude Bellingham? And he was just like, well, kind of positionally, it's my position. It's going to be partly up to me, but I've been watching videos and um, we have some ideas and stuff. And he kept getting in the way of Bellingham. He kept uh, getting in the way of Vinicius as well, helping out Ratu, who, was that his first... First start for now. I, I don't know. I don't know. I might have that wrong, but he was not bad at all. Given he was going up against Vinicius and and Rayo, yeah, I think they they slowed the game when they needed to, but they moved the ball pretty quickly in midfield as soon as they won it as well. They kind of kept it away from that Madrid press and and yeah, it's it's probably a similar Real Madrid to the ones that we've seen against the likes of Hitafe or or kind of those kind of mid to to lower table teams at times where they they just lack a bit of penetration and as we say Bellingham has been coming up with the goals but it's the fear we've been talking about and 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 yeah Ancelotti needs to hope that either the goals come from somewhere else or that Bellingham just keeps scoring indeed and to answer your question yes it was his debut and not just that but his La Liga debut outright so not a bad uh, first showing from uh, from Ratui uh, Ratu uh, the Romanian defender there. Uh, that'll do us for part one. Uh, plenty of drama, as we've seen, with uh, Madrid sides dropping points and the Catalan sides in different ways keeping pace um, at the top. When we come back, we'll talk, unfortunately, about lots of controversy 
and lots of managers who are feeling the heat. Join us in a minute. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Villarreal. Se ha vuelto a quedar solo el Atlético delante del portero del Villarreal. Le ha puesto una chapa a Jorgensen. Suta Williams. Gol, 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 gol. Vaya escabechín. Gol, 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 gol del Atlético. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. We said we had some controversy for you and uh, some managers in trouble, and probably none more so than Pacheta. They've had a couple of wins in the last week in the Copa and on the Monday night game against Granada since our last recap pod. That was 3-2. And this one was also 3-2, but really, this was a hammering, wasn't it, Rory? Because Athletic were 3-0 up inside half an hour at La Ceramica. And Villarreal's defence is is like a sieve. There's just nothing there, really. And teams are scoring against them at will. Jorgensen has made a lot of saves. I think he's made more saves than any other goalkeeper. But yet, they've still conceded over 20 goals in 12 games. Yes, there was a late recovery with goals for Gerard Moreno and Alexander Solot again. But will that be enough for a stay of execution? I don't think reportedly it will. Rory, take it up. Yeah, look, I mean, we've been commenting about Villarreal all season that they just don't look like a happy team, a functional team, a team that can play 90 minutes coherently. I think I've mentioned that I think there's obviously issues in the dressing room. I think if you see this happen under two managers, different types of managers, different types of personalities as well, that's problematic and I think the next appointment, if it is to be a next appointment, needs to be a character that takes no nonsense, a character that will whip them into shape and really kind of dominate this dressing room um, and, and take no prisoners because 
yeah, I mean, before the veterans were getting dropped and I think that was causing some of the problems. Now you've got Raul Albiolin, who's what, late 30s. You've got a midfield two of Capue and Parejo, who's approaching 70 in their combined age. Those two just can't hold down a midfield for me anymore. I mean, maybe I get proven wrong and they uh, get a second wind in the second half of the season, but the two of them just don't look quick enough. They don't react fast enough. They're much more interested when they have the ball as opposed to when they don't have it. Um, and Atleti, Athletic fed off that, really. And, and Jan Sunset was, was enjoying himself in that first half. And he, the Williams brothers were all over them. And yeah, they, they make so many errors that are not just kind of improper of Villarreal and the quality that they have, but improper of kind of the teams in 15th, 16th. I mean, you don't see the likes of Hatafe making these errors. You don't see this kind of sloppiness. And OK, they have good moments, as, as we saw at the end, and they have good spells. But I saw very little difference to to the Granada game almost where they won it 3-2 because they had a good opening half hour in that game, but then they completely lost control of it again and were probably l lucky to hold on to that result. And this time poor first half hour and and they were lucky it wasn't worse to be honest remarkable how those games have completely mirrored isn't it they're, they're kind of going through in the lap then coming and losing grip to then being three nil down and and albeit late making that comeback but uh no rumors circulating on sunday night that uh fernando Roj has finally decided that that probably is the game up for pachetta and martellino is the big name that is doing the rounds and he is available has been there before, got them into a European semi-final. Can it happen? Will it happen? I mean, Marcelino is a demanding manager, not just of his players, but also of the, his board, his contract. He, he won't be cheap, but right now, I think in terms of just pure league placing, in terms of yeah, TV money, win money, I think it's probably a gamble that's worth it. And if there's a manager that we know can have success outside of the top three and Marcelino has commented before that he'd rather go abroad because he doesn't feel he can move up within Spain. He doesn't feel that those top three jobs are accessible to him or Unai Emery was the other comparison he made. But yeah, I think if you look at what's out there, if you look at the way his team's playing, get Marcelino in, get them running, get them 15% uh, leaner, their body fat down to 2.4% or whatever it is Marcelino likes. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer um, looking at where they are right now. And for him, it can't be any worse than Marseille, so why not? <laughs> yeah, the, the Ceramica might not be quite as uh, quite as heated, quite an inferno as uh, Marseille was. Mm. Yeah, not quite the velodrome, is it? Uh, again, brilliant for Athletic. They are up to fifth now. Valverde seems to have uh, a good thing going there. Again, it's a kind of question of, when they score, they're good. When they don't, they're not. It's Is it as simple as that? I think it is really, isn't it? But uh, nice for Ruiz de Galarreta as well. His first goal for the club, 12 years after first coming through and making his debut there, which I believe is a club record, 12 years without uh, before <laughs> your first goal. So hats off to Ruiz de Galarreta. Now then, we did ask if there were any physicists that could come on the pod tonight to uh, talk us through the mechanics of uh, pulling in the box. But unfortunately for Rafa Benitez, none were available. So we're going to have to do it between ourselves, Rory. Celta won, Sevilla won, a draw that neither team wanted or is happy with, but especially not Celta because they were absolutely fuming at the end. Iago Aspas chucking the VAR monitor to the ground. He did later apologise and said, this is not what I should be 
you know, the example I should send to kids, I'm very sorry, but uh, they they all acknowledge that they are. Uh, we hit every week. Salta not happy with the referees. Benitez is fuming at VAR. Yes, has he got a case? Probably, but again, we spoke about this off air. It's it's becoming a self fulfilling negative spiral, and it's not going to help anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, as we were saying off air, look, Benitez was asked about this kind of after after the game, and he. He was asked two, three questions about the referees. He had his big rant again, talked about uh, needing a physicist to measure the Newtons or whatever it is of force. And then he gets asked, him, what about kind of the mistakes? And he says, well, we can make as many mistakes or do as many good things as we want. It doesn't matter if the referees are going to do this. And that's just not true because Shran Larson again, misses two absolute sitters. They have another good chance from a set piece. I forget who it is that misses it. Um, and they then get some Tapia gets sent off with half an hour to go. That's a loss of composure. They then sit deep and can't defend deep again. I mean, Getha makes a really bad error for in the series to score. They're lucky that Pedrosa and Rakitic then didn't sentence the game in those final moments. And yes, look, Celta have been done by the referees on two, three occasions really badly. Against Girona, that was a robo. That was an atraco. Fine, Benitez, you can have that. But... This wasn't even a penalty. It was an absolutely ridiculous decision in the first place. The ball was nowhere near them, and he just he, he falls over it. It's not even a foul, in my view. So, so yeah, you can have as many excuses as you want, but it's really just not helping them at all. And and Benitez, yeah, again, his teams aren't aren't playing well. I mean, they've they've got one win from twelve. They've scored what is it seven goals? Start Duvicas. Yep. Play your new signing. I, yeah, I, I think there's only so many times you can use these excuses without it getting old and without it costing your players as well in terms of mentality. 11 goals scored, but only two have scored fewer, and that's Cadiz and Alaves. So, yeah, uh, usual suspects for low goal scoring, those two. So, yeah, more expected from from Celta. Um, we must also touch on Sevilla. I mean, three draws in a row for Diego Alonso in the league. He's got a, a way to Arsenal in midweek in the Champions League, which... Looks like a, a free hit in a way, but uh, I don't know any signs of improvement there. They're still stuck in in fifteenth, only only four points above the drop. Yeah, on the flip side of this, as I say, Sevilla did well to kind of come back into this. Probably should have gone on and won it, but also were lucky not to have conceded more in the first kind of hour of this match. I was pretty positive about Diego Alonso's opening two three games. They looked better to me. They were keeping possession well. They looked confident. But they seem to have fallen again into that kind of inconsistency, the not necessarily lack of motivation, but they don't seem to be able to string three, four, five games together. And that's been the case for over a year now. Um, I think they still rely on a lot of veterans and that's fine. But I, I think just in terms of what the team needs mentality-wise, I would be tempted to kind of really throw the young guns in there and see if you can get kind of a reaction out them and see if you can build something because this core doesn't seem to be able to sustain itself over the period of time, regardless of what style they're being asked to play, regardless of who the manager is. So, so yeah, I'd be tempted to, to make some changes if I were Alonso. There's a, a lad in, in the B team, Sevilla Atletico, Isaac Romero, who's banging them in in, uh, in the lower leagues there. So perhaps he could be given a shot if, if you want to, Talk about bringing the kids through, but um, but yeah, again, maybe that's another question for another day. Mallorca, another club that were 
pretty fuming with the decision that was made. This uh, didn't quite get the same traction in the media, but Betis eventually comfortable 2-0 winners. William Jose continued his goal-scoring form from uh, from the Copper with the opener before Iozzi made it a lot more comfortable. Nabil Fakir was back, which is the, the great news for Betis. But they're, they're in some form as well themselves. Now. They're into sixth above Real Sociedad with this win. But the red card was very harsh, wasn't it? Omar Mascare, incredibly unlucky to be sent off for, for that second yellow, no? Yeah, um, it, it simply wasn't wasn't even a foul from Mascare. So I, re- I really don't know what he's supposed to do. I feel like Mallorca, again, they're still slightly trying to find that identity of maybe being solid defensively, but perhaps looking a little bit more kind of creative and open. Kanjin Lee and, and Murici were the kind of partnership that sustained them last season, and they've just not been able to make it click with Ladin, Darder and Murici all on the pitch at the same time, or kind of even two of them really kind of working things out. So, so yeah, but I think Betis deserved to win this game. They, they created more chances. They looked the better team to me. There's very few chances aside from this one Morici one. So, so yeah, I mean, Betty's probably deserved the win here, but you, you'd you be fuming if you're a Mallorca fan as well. And uh, mm. I'm surprised that uh, I didn't see some some <laughs> more kind of almost uh, Benitez-esque quotes from Maguire <laughs> this match. But, uh, but yeah, we were, we were spared that, at least from the Mexican. Well, we did get some from Paco Lopez uh, in Granada because Valencia beat them 1-0 with a a really contentious penalty right on halftime. Pepe Lu converted. That was the only goal in the game. It compounds a really tough week for Granada who could be kicked out of the Copa due to the the goalkeeper issue who was an improper alignment is is the allegation. Um, We wait to see how that will be resolved. But on on this game itself, Rory, not a penalty, is it? No, it's not. And... uh... Ugo Doro has uh, definitely got the board last trait in him of uh, gamesmanship and certainly milking situations for all of their worth. And, and yeah, Granada pretty harshly done by here. Um, but again, it, it, it's sort of this balance between you have Paco Lopez who's built this side, who you know is a good manager on the whole, who plays attractive attacking football, but there comes a point where you you look you have to kind of weigh up the morale of the players and morale of the squads work out is a change for the benefit of this team as well and the way football is these days it's just it would be unlikely to see him get too much more rope without winning another game i think yeah no taco in hugo duro but at the end of the day these these sides that are complaining a lot have not been good enough ultimately um conceding a lot of goals not scoring enough the bottom four there, Mallorca, Celta, Granada, Almeria, just three wins between them in 48 matches played. So that tells its own story, really. And speaking of Almeria, they lost at Alaves in a, a pretty crucial match there at Mendizorotha on Sunday afternoon. Alexander Sedlar with the winner. And then he sustained a really serious looking injury. So we hope he's uh, not too too badly injured there and hope he recovers quickly and, and swiftly as possible. But yeah, Almeria still without a win. No real effect from guys like Garitano. And uh, I think there's only one club in La Liga history that had a worse start after 12 games, and that was the, the infamously bad Sporting, who, who had 13 points in the whole season in the mid-90s. So, Almeria doing in Elche, I think it's fair to say. 
Yeah, I, I'm shocked. I really, I thought they'd be pretty good this season. I thought they had the tools to be so, but things have just spiraled out of control. And as you say, this was a pretty crucial kind of six-pointer. Alaves, credit to them for getting the win. They were the better team here, they created more chances. They, again, Yanis <laughs> Hadji kind of skied a penalty in this one. They had another good chance as well. Horrendous penalty. <laughs> one of the very worst. It was uh, kind of England in the 2000s style. Sorry, Matt. but <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, Almeria looking very worrying. Uh, just three points from 12 games. They're now six points behind Mallorca. And looking at that bottom half of the table, Alaves on 12 points. I think they'll probably still be in and around it. Cadiz on 10, in and around it, probably Mallorca on 9, look as if they might be uh, having more problems than they were last season. But looking at all those three teams and the way that they've spent this kind of first half of the season, I would back all three of them to stay up ahead of Almeria right now. And, and OK, Almeria do have that quality, but Alaves have been, and I think they're the ones that are most likely to be fighting it out with Almeria. Alaves are so united and so kind of singular in their purpose. Luis Garcia Plaza has been, yeah, as I say, impressive for me in the way that he's motivated his side. And they, they're pretty relentless in the way that they play. And even if they don't quite have the quality that Almeria do, um, they do have the spirit and the organisation that Almeria lack. Mm. I think, yeah, pre-season, you'd probably swap Rio and Almeria in terms of expectations and, and where they are now. Absolutely. Um, really weird. But, um, but yeah, Alaves and Cali, two clubs that, they kind of they know they know that's their place. They they expect to be there and they're used to it and they generally get the job done. So again, you, you wouldn't say for sure that you'd you'd put any money on those going down. So we'll be interesting. We'll see if there's any movements. Only one more week before the next international break, so we could see plenty of itchy triggers uh being pulled there. But uh that's the weekend. We have Girona as clear leaders outright in at the top of the table, Real Madrid in second, Barça third, Atletico fourth with that game in hand, but having lost ground on the top. And then Athletic, Betis, Real Sociedad occupy 5th, 6th and 7th. Uh, Espanyol in Segunda have sacked Luis Garcia. Uh, they expected to be going straight back up like they always do, but on this occasion they're in a bit of sticky form and um, they decided to sack him, which which we'll, we'll see how that goes. And the Copa Libertadores had plenty of La Liga lines, didn't it, Rory? Because we saw uh, uh, Jorge Almiron, uh, Dario Benedetto... And uh, Luis Advincula for Boca, they, they lost in extra time to Fluminense, who of course had Marcelo in their ranks, winning the Copa Libertadores to go along with his five Champions League. So salute to them. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, slightly torn here because anyone who's listened to this podcast over the last couple of years will know that neither of us are great believers in Jorge Almiron's work. And um, <laughs> once again... I don't know if proven right can be can be applied here, given that they did get to the final. But Luis Advincula didn't win a knockout game, though. <laughs> didn't win a knockout game, precisely. Um, Advincula, on the other hand, is one of my favourite ever La Liga players. He is a terrific to watch and a great character. Um, Marcelo on the winning side, obviously for Fluminense, and um, yeah, lucky that they did win because it was him that was just kind of letting Advincula shoot for the equaliser for uh, for Boca. Um, but but yeah fantastic kind of game fantastic end and a really strong Copa Libertadores style game with people getting sent off for celebrating and stuff uh, yeah um, I really like South American football on the whole that was glorious chaos and yeah John Kennedy lost his head not for the first time <laughs> uh, on that note we'd, we'd better leave it there 
uh, it's, it's getting late. So thank you, Rory, for your time. Listeners, thank you for your support. We hope you can uh, subscribe and upgrade your subscriptions on our Substack, llonline.substack.com. Uh, less less jokes on there, but more, more good content. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. We'll be back midweek with a European roundup, some big, important games for Spanish sides in the Champions League. Let's see if they can make one step closer to the knockout stages. We'll, uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Adios.